Hello team and welcome back to Alt Marketing School. It's Fab here, your head teacher. And today, I wanted to share a common complaint with you. Something right before we start with today's show. In fact, so many marketers these days complain on how complex, time-consuming and expensive digital advertising has become. And I bet this is something quite familiar to you as well. Well, guess what? Our friends at Feed make it effortless to run Facebook and Instagram ads that grow your audience and business online. You can wave goodbye to hours wasted in ads managers. Their algorithm has a unique focus on promoting organic content, figuring out which posts work best and amplifying your natural authentic voice to get the best results on social media. So whether you're after more Instagram followers, trying to grow a mailing list or selling products on your online store, Feed will use the best of your organic content to get you there. Plus, you simply connect Feed to Facebook and Instagram, set an objective and budget, and Feed takes care of the rest. As a very, very special gift, our podcast listeners get 30% off for the first three months. All you have to do is head to tryfeed.co slash AMS to sign up and claim the offer. Make sure that you go and check it out. And in the meantime, enjoy today's episode. Welcome to Alt Marketing School. We are proudly bringing together a new wave of marketers, just like yourself. We want to provide you with the skills to speak to your audience perfectly empower clients with winning strategies to market their brands, champion their values, and make a positive impact in the online world. My name is Fab, and I'm your host. May the class begin. Hello, squirrel friends, and welcome back to Old Marketing School. My name is Fab, and I'm the head teacher and your host for today on the Old Marketing School podcast. If you're a dear listener, then you will know that already. If you're a new listener, hello and welcome. I hope you're comfortable. Or maybe you're walking. I don't know. I'm not going to digress. Because today I'm not on my own. And potentially Ashley might already be looking at me funny and be like, what did I get myself into? Mm-hmm. Ashley, I, probably, I promise we're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. In case you don't know Ashley, I'm going to introduce her before we start having a chat. Because honestly, she talks about one of my favorite things in everything she does, which is impact, which is purpose, which is aligning marketing and messaging with what we want to show up as in the world and how we want to make an impact on others. So as you can tell, right up our alley. So in case you don't know, Ashley Sang is based in central Illinois with a background in anthropology and a penchant for trouble. Although um, she works on loads of things, Uh, actual consulting helps her working with visionary founders who want to grow their impact and their business in a way that's rooted in values and propelled by purpose. She's really passionate about small personal changes anyone can make to protect our shared environment and improve people's lives. So as I can tell you, we're going to be in very, very good company. Hello, Ashley. How are we doing? Hi, doing well. Thank you. I am very excited to have you here today. And in order to break the ice and warm us up, I actually have some questions for you before we jump into the topic of the day, which we probably already outlined pretty well from your introduction. It pretty much ticked all the boxes what we're going to talk about. But before that, I have three questions for you. And the first one 
it's a bit of a personal one, potentially, potentially. And that is, what would be a trivia category you'd be really good at and why? Ashley, if you could choose any of them. Oh, that's tricky. My dad actually loves trivia and like always sends me those listicles with 15 things you never knew, Uh, (laughs) but I never remember any of them. So um, let's see, a a trivia category. Senegalese culture would be a trivia category that other people probably wouldn't do well in, um, but I should do pretty well in because I studied abroad there. I lived there for four years and my husband is Senegalese. So I feel like I would have a leg up from most people who are not from Senegal. I love that your choice is also strategic. I love that. (laughs) It's not just like something that you know. It's like, well, because, you know, I say like your your father's daughter is like, because I'm going for trivia, I'm going to go for a category that I know I can smash. I love it. (laughs) As well as obviously all the other connection with it, which is all fair. Um, That's awesome. And actually, fun fact, the reason why we ask this question is a bit like your dad's listicles. is because at the beginning of each session, just in case, our alumni will know if you're not an alumni, then surprise, we actually do quizzes and little trivia before we kick off the sessions. So there's a lot of um, competition that magically arises as soon as you start asking random questions about food or actual countries. So, you know, that could be actually something that we'll be interested in actually exploring in the future. Fine. Now, maybe this is related to the answer, actually. And I wanted to know about the first job you had, if you can think about it, and Can you think of one thing that you learned from it? Yeah, so it depends how far back we're going to go. I started babysitting when I was maybe like 11 or 12, very young. I was was a couple years older than the children I was watching, but I took a class on CPR and like how to market your little uh, babysitting business. And I made little cards and put them in neighbors' mailboxes. And um, yeah, so that was my first sort of, job, I guess. I mean, honestly, I I made a fair amount of money for a child uh, for many, many years. And I think I learned from that, honestly, customer experience and um, working with all kinds of different people. You know, you're welcomed into someone's home and their family culture and their rules. And it taught me, without me probably realizing, it taught me a lot about adaptability and about putting yourself in someone else's shoes. The same things that I learned when I studied anthropology in college and now that I do as a marketer. So honestly, I feel like babysitting actually primed the way pretty pretty well for me. I love that. And I love the fact that actually I can see how, first of all, you are very entrepreneurial. I, I absolutely love this. Like, I'm going to take this thing seriously. It's not just the fact that, you know, I'm going to make some money out of it. It's like, I'm going to market this thing. And I just love that. Yeah, and it's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I like that you helped us reframing a bit also the fact that you are genuinely going to somebody's home. And I think we have a lot of people that actually have been in hospitality when we ask about their first job. And that also is a lot of conversations around customer service. But as you say, there's there's also the element of entrusting you with their child as well, which sometimes we forget. So I, I really appreciate that. And I can see, as you say, then how some of these things, including the little entrepreneurship sideways, uh, then we can actually kind of put into practice for some of the things we do now. And this is, again, almost like skipping forward again. Now that we look at the past, we're going to look at the present again. And... Well, what we do is encouraging people to market to hearts, not to brains. So as a fellow marketer, I'm going to ask you a question that maybe you asked people in the past, I I imagine, actually. 
Actually, what does making a positive impact on your audience or clients mean to you specifically and why? Yeah, this is sort of the crux, right? This is the center of why my business exists and why most of the people I work with, their business exists, is to have that impact to make someone's life better. I feel like that is the goal of business, is to improve people's lives. Um, Almost always that is the case. Um, So for me, I'm really aiming for vicarious impact. And what I mean by that is if I am able to work with organizations, entrepreneurs, service providers who are doing really amazing work in the world, who are creating uh, an innovative product, who are serving other businesses for good, who are giving back in some capacity. If they are having impact and I'm able to supplement that impact, facilitate that impact, distill the impact that they're having so that people know about it, then I am having impact. I am having vicarious impact in that way. So for me, it's really that behind the scenes position and that that bolstering position that is really fitting for me and feels good and feels impactful. And I'm able to have so much more impact this way by working with businesses from the inside out than I am as a consumer. Of course, I care about conscious consumerism. We could have a whole episode about that. Um, But I'm just a drop in the bucket when it comes to a consumer. Whereas as a consultant, as a strategist, I can have a lot more impact um, in a lot more tangible ways via these businesses that I work with. It really feels like, first of all, I should genuinely steal what you just said. Of course, I'm not going to, because it it resonates so much with what we do. Obviously, for the students, some of the students are businesses or small business owners, but a lot of them are also professionals or maybe uh, young marketeers that want to actually do marketing differently. And I agree with you. I've been in a place where I was helping, again, slightly differently, but like the individuals, which is not a problem. I love still working with some founders and entrepreneurs separately, but the fact that we can help students then go and inspire their clients, if they are strategists like yourself, eh, or inspire their company, or again, even just share what they're learning with others, that to me is invaluable because what we create is a unique experience, but that ripple effect is so massive. So I really resonate with it. And I find that, I think a lot more people now are also resonating in the way they show up. However, you know what's interesting? I, I'm going to tell you a really random fact. Tell me if you appreciate it, maybe not. But <laughs> I discovered that actually we are top ranking on Google Ooh, for SEO. But you know for what? Thank you, by the way. <laughs> yeah. For positive impact marketing. Because it's, it's not really a term. We... we created it because people were asking, well, what, what marketing do you teach? It was like, well, digital marketing, yes, but it's mainly positive input marketing. So it's just random. But what it made me realize is that it's a concept that we know, and we know marketing with purpose, marketing with impact. But it was really interesting to see, actually, because now we have the sneak peek, how many people are searching for the term. And I'll tell you what, Ashley, and I want to hear your opinion almost, putting your little strategic hat on, because we can see month by month, and we had this on for like a year now. Um, it has grown in the past, I think, three to four months, the searches for it, up to about 300%, roughly. And it's interesting to see how I think more people are interested in understanding what that means. And I want to ask you, from an insider perspective, maybe going a bit deep already, starting on straight deep, what do you think is the difference between, yes, yeah, saying it, like marketing with impact and using purpose, but actually making it a core part 
of how you show up and not just that box that you tick when it comes to, yep, now I'm marketing with purpose. I share my values on my website. I'm done. Bye now. <laughs> I would love to hear that from you because I can imagine you might have had the conversations like this or it might be something that some clients are still wondering about. Yeah, so that's literally the example I always give is just slapping your values on your website is not enough. Uh, It's not sufficient. It's not clear. It's not doing anything for you. Yes, they should absolutely live there, uh, but you should be living out your values. Um, I have a whole workbook around this. I have a whole half day intensive around this. I I have lots and lots of content on social media about this because it is so important to me and my approach and what I think is really effective marketing. I always say that your values are how, and, and, and your values and how you live them out, how you show up in those values are how you stand out. Because there are plenty of other marketing courses or schools, right? There are plenty of other strategists. There are plenty, plenty of other handbag creators, right? It doesn't matter what it is that you offer. There, there's someone else who does something very similar. So it is your values. It is the way that you make people feel. It is the way that you communicate what those values are, what they mean to you, how they apply to your culture that you're creating and the customers that you're serving. That is what is so essential. So Uh, I'm I'm trying to uh, remember the original question, but yes, absolutely. Um, Having values be a central part of your business and really applying them is really essential. Um, And so I know I'm I'm trying to backtrack to your question. So uh, I think the question was sort of like, well, how do I even do this? Right. Or how important is this? Um, So we covered it's essential. (laughs) And how do you even do it? You just break it down. Um, Like I said, I do have a workbook that breaks it down into sort of 12 components. Um, I didn't mean to do 12, but it actually works out that you could like focus on one a month, which is cool. Um, But I like to think of it in terms of your marketing and your operations. So what tiny tweak could you make to your email signature? Or what overhaul could you do to your website copy or your IG bio or your um, podcast pitch, et cetera, et cetera, to really represent and emulate those values. What little tweaks could you do? Um, I recommend doing some sort of evaluation or audit of your brand, how you're showing up. Can people feel that value? If, um, if for example, uh, radical transparency is one of your values. Can people get that without you saying that radical transparency is one of your values? Um, Can they see that in the copy you create? Can they see that on the sales calls you have, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And then I mentioned the the marketing bucket and the operations bucket. So operations is like your, your offers. What is it that you're even putting out into the world that people can buy from you? How does that align with your values? And how does the price that you offer align with your values? Um, something like partnerships, affiliations, things that you pay, certifications, right? Um, things that you pay for or that you just sort of hitch your wagon to casually, joint ventures, whether it's an IG Live or a formal webinar or whatever it is. So um, I, this is a long-winded way of saying values absolutely matter. They should absolutely show up in every single aspect of your business. The question was actually going to be touching on to going deeper. And you gave me the answer because you talked about operations, which is what we usually don't look into. Like, as you said, and you mentioned the rightfulness of, I love about talking about how we get to make people 
feel something. So we're going to get back to that because it's a big part of our introductory course. Um, so we're going to touch on that. But I wanted to reiterate one thing, which is really that understanding of all the different areas and how, and how that value can be applied and represented in them. And I want to say as well, and maybe I'm going to ask you like, if there's some anything else people can do to make it less daunting, because what I find, this is just from empirical experience, um, a lot of our students want to tell them, let's go and do a bit of a system audit for your marketing systems. Literally the dread in their eyes is like, let's map out everything you do. It's like, no, because it feels endless. And I think, and that's what I want to hear your, what your experience is, that somebody might be listening. You're like, yes, actually, I'm going to do that. And then they start and they're like, Ugh, so much. Ugh, I don't know where to start. So aside from your excellent workbook, so obviously you can break it down to 12 steps. If you could almost say, what can we prioritize as almost the first point of call when it comes to the different things that we can do? Just to give our dear listener one action step on this realm that they can actually try for themselves that maybe is not, as we said, putting your values on your website, which is great. Yeah. So yes, the hard truth is it is never ending, right? Like your business will constantly evolve. Your audience will constantly evolve. Your values might even evolve over time as you, the founder, as your offers, as your audience gives you feedback, et cetera, evolve. So it is never ending. So just accept that and then take action, right? So like with anything, tackle it bit by bit. Uh, and it depends on how your brain works, honestly. It depends on what your team capacity is. It depends on how much client work you have versus how much you're able to commit to this sort of CEO business building time. So one approach could be to think about the area that is most frequently visited in your business. Um, so if you are super duper active on Instagram or LinkedIn or TikTok, wherever on social media, Maybe if that's where all your leads are coming from, make sure that that first impression and that nurturing relationship is very well aligned with your values. And then you can think about your email funnels. You can think about your website copy. You can think about any certifications further down the line, right? Really focus on that first point of contact or that most robust, most frequent point of contact. That's one way to do it. Another way to do it is to start small. What tiny, tiny tweak can you make to your email signature or tiny, tiny tweak can you make to your social bio or your headline on your website? It doesn't have to be the whole website, just the one headline when you land on your homepage or when you land on your about page. Is there a way that you can inject your values without overhauling everything? I'm willing to bet there is, right? Um, and so that's where it's super valuable to get outside perspective, whether you hire a strategist or a consultant, whether you have a business bestie, whether you have a cohort like the art marketing, alt marketing school, like wh wherever it is um, where you're able to get that outside perspective, just to have it reflected back to you, have it filtered through someone who's not inside your head and heart all day, every day. It's super valuable. Um, so that would be my plan of attack. It's either, all right, the most important uh, most frequent, most high volume, let's start there because that's the most important or start tiny and build from there, whatever way your brain works best. See, you said something else that I'm going to jump on. So there's a problem here because I've got so many questions and we're so little time. But <laughs> I can always do this again. 
that's as as I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast. I I was I wasn't flattering, even if you know Italians charming, etc. I genuinely love this topic so much, and the reason why I'm now jumping onto something is because I love what you mentioned there about actually getting other people's perspective, and is because I find that a lot of the time it really helps us seeing things in a different way and we actually forget forget to do it unless we're kind of guided to by, as you say, a consultant or by a cohort like, like in our courses. It's really hard to kind of remember that for ourselves. And I'm going to ask a question that might be really easy or might be really hard, but I know it can be really hard, especially if you're a small business or especially if you're a founder when it comes to our ego. Let's say we actually do a tweak or we kind of refine our values and we do a tweak on our website and then we show it to somebody and actually we have to come to the bittersweet truth that the way that we presented it or how we made that change actually makes things worse or makes things confusing or our incredible, super amazing copywriting skills actually are a bit off tune that day. <laughs> how do you find the balance between, um, you know, between actually, you know, getting people's opinion but then listening, taking it in, and I'm going to add one more thing, actually, because we're not done, but also being able to re- to tap into your intuition as well. Because I always say that um, advice is free, which is great, but it also means that you need to also remember that you need to listen to yourself. So how can we find that balance as we are having other people into the vision and having them help us with their external opinion? I think it's a question of trust. Um, trust in yourself, in your intuition, in your vision, in your ability to stick things through just because they don't um, stick you know, right off the bat, just because you're not an overnight success, like almost never happens. Just because that isn't the case doesn't mean that it's not going to work. So absolutely trust yourself, trust your intuition, trust the people that you have put around you, but also make sure that whatever external advice you're seeking is from someone you trust. Do not just blankly put on the internet, hey, how do you feel about this? Or is this clear? Or did I do a good job? Uh, Because honestly, you might get some good advice, but most of the time, it won't be the targeted type of feedback that you need and want. So make sure that, again, whether it's for free with a business bestie that you know understands your vision, um, but is slight, you know, one step removed from it, or whether it is a consultant and strategist who is deeply invested in your success, but is one step removed, right? Like it's not their baby. It's not their vision. They are able to give you that objective perspective for something that they are still invested in your success. Or whether it is a mastermind or, or whether it is um, one of your favorite clients. If, if you had a really great experience with a client or a handful of clients or um, you know that your audience on your newsletter list or whatever it is really gets you, test it on them because they're your ideal audience. They're the ones that you want to resonate with. So if you ask them, hey, does this resonate with you? And they say yes or no, then you're able to adapt to meet exactly who they are, where they are, and how they want to be spoken to. So that's an amazing option. So really, it, it comes down to that trust factor. Trust in yourself and trust in the people that you are asking um, and then build from there. And, and again, just like your website is never finished, just like your business will 
always have a next step. The same is absolutely true for any feedback you're going to receive. Um, if your copy is the same now as it was two years ago, you're doing something wrong, right? Like you you need to be iterating as your business and as your audience evolves. Um, so get, get that feedback. But I think it just comes with experience or just sort of in the moment call of what is good advice to follow and try and implement and what is something that, you know what, that just doesn't sit right. And I need to just follow my gut and, and stay on the course. It's excellent advice. And the fact that we also have some examples of actual people or types of people that we can talk to, I think is going to be really helpful because it can resonate with the two different types of businesses or different type of, of lovely listeners who are here today they want to actually find that those right people. And I think that's one of the most important things. And you mentioned about evolution, which is the blessing and the curse, mm -hmm. especially in the digital marketing and digital world. And I wanted to ask you, because it ties in with trusting ourselves more than trusting others in this case, and is how, how can we communicate or should we even communicate? I mean, my answer will be yes, but uh, how or whether we should communicate when our values change or maybe they evolve or maybe we add some new values because again that can be something that we might struggle with or we're not really sure how to communicate that or what is the place for that so as you say we all evolve and maybe our values change and evolve first and foremost should we review that is that something that you do with your clients you actually get them to review every so often you get them to refresh them you get them to get a fresh eyes and secondly what shall we do when that happens especially when it comes to communicating to others that that has happened Yes. So I do think that evaluation and reevaluation is important because change will happen inevitably. Even if you do not change, the market around you, the world around you will change, right? So you need to decide, all right, do I want to adapt based on these external factors? Or do I, again, want to sort of stay the course and, and either way, it'll be changing who you're attracting, who you're repelling, etc. So that reevaluation is very important, whether it's self-reflection, whether it is via someone external, it is important to evaluate your vision overall, your mission, your values, your audience, and then the sort of way you reach them, the messages, the offers, the pricing, etc. cetera. Um, so yes, you should absolutely be evaluating. And yes, change will happen. So when that does happen, I absolutely believe that communication is key. Business is just a relationship, right? And so we all know that the, the, the essential part of every relationship is communication, right? Um, if we could all communicate, all of our relationships would magically be fixed, right? So um, the same would be true in your business. Communicate with your team if you have one. Communicate with yourself. You know, do some journaling. Uh, put pen to paper of like, okay, yeah, this has officially shifted. Um, I used to really care about having a super inclusive community, but the more I hear from my people, my audience, the more I realize it needs to be a little bit more exclusive. It needs to be a little bit narrower so that we can have a safe space based on shared identity, right? Or the inverse. Um, whatever it is, do some self-reflection, communicate with yourself, communicate with your team. If you have one, communicate with partners, whether that is referral partners or vendors or anyone else you partner with. And then of course, communicate with your customers, your audience, communicate with the people that you are wanting to serve, have served in the past and are currently serving, they need to know what they're in store for. Um, so it can be super explicit. You can send an email that says, 
these are now our three to five values that that might be appropriate. Or again, it might just be showing, not telling. It might be living out those values, right? If you suddenly have an offer or if you suddenly um, caption all of your Zoom meetings, uh, you know, workshops or whatever, because you now understand that um, accessibility is super important to your audience and your brand. Uh, you don't necessarily have to say, hey, we made a shift toward accessibility. People will see that and feel that because you now have captions. Or they might even ask, hey, why do you have captions? Um, or they might thank you for having captions, etc. Right. So it's all about living out those brand values, living out those aspects of your brand that you want people to feel. Um, so you can explicitly communicate it or you can just show rather than tell. Either way, it's still communication. There was a lot of dancing that thankfully you didn't see every so often. I would just wave my hands in the air and actually it was really good. She's like very professional and I'm just like, yes, I'm loving this. And she's like, okay. So thank you. And I appreciate it. Sometimes it can be hard. The hands start moving. I get excited. Um, but I'm such a fan of open communication and it can be, as you say, explicit or it can be just openly showing and it just it's the business of relationships and it makes me so happy because that's all we are about is marketing being relationship driven and what is as such you get the most out of your audience as much as it gets the most out of you so yay basically i'm gonna stop dancing. i'm not gonna dance again but yay um <laughs> just gonna trying to keep a bit of self-respect here even if the listener is like fab don't even try um i want to slightly change tone because we talked about feelings earlier and i was like i'm gonna go back to that because i like that and one other aspect that I wanted to explore a bit when it comes to obviously like showing up and living our values, but also like our messaging is the people that we're serving. And we talked about it in different ways, but I know that creating personas and understanding personas is also a big part of the messaging side of things. And you talked about feelings and you talked about, and it makes me think about, sorry, perception as well. So what I wanted to ask you as well is how... How do you help your clients? What have you seen working for them when it comes to understanding? Yes, how they want to make uh, their audience feel, but also how their audience truly feel about them or how they perceive them. How can we bridge that gap? How can we help, you know, brands and whichever like entrepreneurs understand, first of all, how we want people to feel, but also what they really feel so that we can bridge that gap or then obviously find a solution that works for us? Because it's a double question, but... I hope we can explore that. Yeah. So I, I think they're absolutely related. So um, for me, brand, branding is simply perception, right? Nike is still Nike, whether they got rid of that swoosh or not. They will still make you feel the same way. Um, and your brand is still your brand, whether you change your brand colors, whether you change your brand fonts, whether you mix up your brand voice or whatever, um, it, it is an amalgamation of how you make people feel and, and how they perceive you that is your brand. So that is first and foremost. And then secondly is you're creating your brand to reach a specific group of people, that ideal audience, that ideal customer persona. And I like to approach personas with two different aspects. One is the demographics who they are on paper, you know, what boxes they check, 
maybe it's relevant that they are a woman or maybe their sexuality is relevant or maybe where they live in the world is relevant. Maybe. But always their psychographics are relevant. So their psychographics are who they are as a person. So not the boxes they check, but the things they care about, the reasons they buy, the fears they have, the goals they have. Those are things that cross over demographic pools um, almost always. Again, it depends on the product and the service, but generally psychographics are much, much more important than demographics. So if you had to start somewhere, I would absolutely start with the psychographics and the psychographics are basically their perception, um, how you perceive their needs, how they perceive you and how you can solve their problems, um, where else they're showing up in the world so that you can latch on to that. Um, if you know they're big yogis, can you partner with any yoga brands or yoga studios or um, events where you bring in a yoga instructor? You know, like it doesn't have to be as long as whatever decision you make relates back to your values and the audience you're trying to serve. It's relevant. And so even if it seems totally left out of left field, like a brand messaging strategist who's bringing on a yoga teacher for a workshop. If I know that 98% of my uh, audience absolutely loves doing yoga, it is absolutely the right business move to bring on a yoga teacher for some sort of event, right? Um, so really focusing on those psychographics um, is going to get you a lot further than just aiming in the dark or trying to focus on those demographic boxes. Um, and then... I do understand that that's a lot easier said than done. Uh, so if you are just starting out either in your business or in finally thinking about your audience intentionally, you can make your best guess. You can make guesses based on what you see other brands who have similar vibes to you or offerings to you are doing and then sort of um, extrapolate from there. You can uh, ask any existing clients you may have had either targeted questions or sort of general questions to, again, get that vibe, get that overarching view of what they care about. You can send out sort of official surveys if you want. Honestly, you're probably going to need to incentivize people to fill out an official survey, um, whether it's a gift card, whether it's your time, you know, work box, whatever it is, um, you're probably going to have to incentivize it. But if you know that um, you absolutely want to reach people in a certain Slack group, and they are your ideal audience because you've seen the questions they ask and you've seen the, the, the posts that they make, et cetera, then maybe a survey to that group would be super relevant and really useful for you. And then just in general, constantly have your eyes and ears open. Um, it's called social listening. So whether you're on social media or just on sales calls, in networking groups, wherever it is that you are in person or on the internet, just be aware of what people are expressing and see how that aligns with what you are aiming to accomplish. We put a couple of my favorite words in there. Psychographics actually got me dancing again. I tried not to, but I was so happy to hear it because I'll tell you, and I know that probably Ashley knows, but dear listener, just in case you need a bit of an incentive, when we talk about this shift, we talk about it in our introductory course, we talk about looking at psychographics even if also demographics have a place, but psychographics really can give us that better understanding. And it's such a simple shift, especially for us as more seasoned marketers. But for people that are beginning or starting out or they're not really sure still how they're showing up, 
it gives them also a lot of freedom. I found that like, oh, I can be more broad or open in some ways in the way they talk because I know what my people need. I know, as you say, I love the social listening element as well. I know these things and these things I can follow, but then I can be more open about especially things like gender, you know, or whether it's culture, you can be open about that because you know that what is most relevant is really those needs. And then you can, again, combine demographics in it. So that's why I was dancing. I was trying not to, but I got really excited. But obviously, we've got loads of practical things. So take also all the practical ideas. But I think that's a great reminder when we're looking to kind of build that persona as well and start all personas and starting to actually map that out for us. And it kind of leads me to another like almost like a little pet peeve question if I may mm-hmm. which is when it comes to these topics we talked about so many things about impact and purpose and values but what would you say is the biggest misconception that you see your clients or again people that come to ants and such come to you with that comes up again and again and again when it comes to getting started with adding more purpose and impact into the marketing and the branding and beyond? What is one of the biggest misconceptions? I think it's that concept of being boxed in. So you just mentioned that uh, understanding your audience and their psychographics and the things that you want to stand for um, actually gives you a lot more freedom and opens up a lot of opportunity. I think the fear with niching down, with putting a stake in the ground, is that you're closing yourself off or boxing yourself in to opportunities or people that could potentially be the right fit, right? So I like to think of getting clarity in your business as actually the opposite of boxing yourself in. Because once you give yourself slight parameters, you're able to be so much more creative in the solutions to meet those parameters. And you know that if you do meet those parameters, it's a success because you've already defined what success is. You've already defined who that person is, what they care about, what you care about, where that overlap is, and the best way that you're able to solve their problems. So the biggest misconception is I'll feel boxed in. And actually the opposite is true. Um, I work with a lot of multi-passionates. It seems like most people who are purpose-driven care about a lot of things. Um, Sometimes they're hyper-focused, you know, on a particular cause, but a lot of times they're just generally conscious and caring people. And so it can feel really scary to put a label on themselves or their business and the brand they're building and the mission that they're aiming to accomplish because they want to do all the things for all the people. I absolutely, that like, 100% I feel that uh, I totally get it. But in defining your overall vision and the people you want to reach ever so slightly more or really specifically, you're going to have so much more clarity. And then you're going to be able to explore with so much more intention and take action with, with so much more alignment. And you're going to feel a lot better about how you show up. You're going to feel a lot more confident And then you're going to have a lot more flexibility and a stronger base to build from. So that way, maybe you do expand a completely different offer or offering um, offer or audience. Maybe you do uh, niche down even further because of the feedback you receive. It it doesn't matter which direction you go. It just matters that you have some sense of direction. So in injecting values, impact, purpose into your business, the more specific generally is the better. My favorite quote was actually like showing up with intention because it really 
it really reminds us again of how how many times we feel we have to show up or we have to be consistent because that's kind of as you say how we how we get things done and what is supposedly a good marketing um, how to or a good marketing principle. But at the end of the day, we don't have to. Is I always say is like the quantity versus quality, and it goes back to like showing up with intention means that even if you show up less, because as you said, you have the understanding and you have the refinement that you did within yourself and also the clarity you mentioned is huge. And I think this could be something that a lot of people that do want to inject more impact into what they're doing, they might be worried about. So you bringing it up, hopefully gave a lot of listeners a bit more peace of mind and be, actually, I can do this. And maybe it will show me that I need to, as you say, change some things, create some things, refine some things. But it also makes you more efficient. I mean, if you want to go with efficiency and instead it also speaks to your people in the most effective way. So I love that. I didn't dance for this one, but internally I was still dancing uh, because I was really happy about it. Now a quick fire round just to close down, even if, as I mentioned, I could talk about impact and purpose forever, but there might be some more in this quick fire. You never know. This one is a practical one though. We sound practical. What is one underrated tool that is indispensable for your work? Uh, The first tool that comes to mind is Notion. It is my entire brain for like my personal life, my business life, uh, everything. I don't even, I I probably use like 10% of its capacity and it's like my everything. So, uh, (laughs) So if you have a brain that works similarly to mine, definitely try Notion. (laughs) You speak my language. (laughs) Kind of funny you say that because probably our students and our alumni are going to be like literally slapping the head. No, not again. But actually, I'll tell you what, uh, one of our students, um, she got introduced to Notion from from our course and she was like, actually, I love it so much. So I do agree. I think whichever way you use it is a really powerful tool. And obviously we do have a lot of templates that we share with our students anyway. But I find that even if you're starting from nothing, because it's like um, building blocks. And I'll say one more thing. I'm going to recommend listening to Francis, uh, Francis's episode, which is all about Notion. So even for you, if you haven't listened to it yet, she's great. And it's all about how to build with Notion and what Notion really is. So Francis is from the Notion bar. So I'd recommend that. So excellent suggestion. <laughs> now, this is a bit more, a bit more trivial again. What is the last picture, Ashley, that you took on your phone that we can talk about? <laughs> Uh, it was almost definitely of my baby. <laughs> I have a six-month-old, and my husband and my phone is just like filled with her face and body and movements. And yeah, uh, yeah it would definitely be my baby. <laughs> Love it. Now, follow-up is a bit different, actually. We're going to go into the public realm. What would you say is currently, maybe, your favorite social media platform and why? Uh Honestly, even though I'm a marketer, I do not love social media. Uh, I try to avoid it. If you count YouTube as social media, I spend so much time on YouTube. Business, cooking, interior design, personal finance, makeup, like all the things. I spend so much time on YouTube. Um, That's sort of my decompression mode. Um, But I I do not use it socially. I don't comment. I don't uh, do anything social on YouTube. So in terms of like actual social platforms that I use... I'm probably most active on Instagram. Honestly, I don't get a ton of leads from Instagram, but I do have lots of relationships with other service providers and potential partners on Instagram. So um, that is my favorite way to keep in contact with like quote unquote industry people is on Instagram. 
Love it. And we had a couple of people saying YouTube before, so I'm kind of, I'm, I'm adding it to the mix because it's only fair. If it gets so much love, we cannot really kind of take it out. So I'm going to ask you maybe, since it is your favorite, even if maybe it's a bit more passive social, it's fine. Um, what is, can you think of one of the last people that you followed or that you started to subscribe to on YouTube and who this person is? I was just watching a video this morning. She wasn't a recent subscribe, but I was just watching uh, Health Nut Nutrition, I think. She does like videos about, obviously videos, but uh, she does she does videos about uh, <laughs> like cooking, but also she has a baby that's just a little bit older than mine. Um, so lots of like baby mom content and she's Canadian. And I, I'm pretty sure I've loved like every Canadian thing I've ever come in contact with. So that's the most recent video I watched sort of this morning as I was eating breakfast, a recent subscribe. I'm trying to think it might've been, um, like a personal finance channel or something. I like to follow women specifically, often women of color in the personal finance realm on YouTube. Um, like I said, I watch pretty much any topic that's remotely interesting to me, I watch on YouTube. <laughs> um, but those are the first sort of two buckets that come to mind. Wonderful. Amazing. Finally, last but not least, I'm going to read this one because I want to get it right. Aha. If you could broadcast one message onto everyone's phone, what would it be? So imagine you have this magical power to make a message appear like flash on everybody's phone. What would it say? Hmm. I like to edit. So I would, I would fine tune this as I go. But first impressions are something like every little bit counts or we can all make a difference or um, like every decision you make has a consequence. So make it a positive one sort of thing. That sort of tagline, um, I would make it nice and like snappy and cute. Um, but that is the general uh, ethos that I would want to be projecting is that, yeah, it all matters, whether it's in business, whether it's in our personal life, like every single decision has that ripple effect that you mentioned. Um, so we just need to be super intentional and conscious of, of what those effects could be and will be. It's an excellent draft. And, you know, if you could do a little audio as well with it and just kind of give us a little commentary, I think it would be even more powerful. <laughs> so we'll go with that option. And as you said, we can always refine it and edit. Is, is, your, is your magic message so you can do whatever you want with it. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for being subjected to loads of questions uh, from somebody who's generally very passionate about the topic and I really admire your passion about the topic and the incredible work you do because we need more people that really champion this type of marketing. So thank you so, so much. And uh, if people want to find out more about you, where should they be going as we're closing down? Yeah, thanks so much for having me and for facilitating this conversation. Um, I just, I love this, this space of the internet. Um, so yeah, thanks for having me be part of it. If people want to follow me, like I said, I am pretty active on Instagram. So at Ashley Sang Consulting, Ashley with two E's, Sang like sing a song. Um, you can also visit my website at ashleysang.com. Uh, and then if you like my approach and want a little bit, a little piece of my brain, um, I do have a free work workbook and actually a few other, I have a pay what you want resource and a new $25 resource. But anyway, the free resource is called your, um, the stand, uh, stand up to stand out kit. And it has a sort of high level brand messaging worksheet to really start thinking about that mission, vision, core values, 
core messages. And then the what I think is the most important part is a consistency checklist that's part of that kit so that you can actually start applying those messages and those values to every area of your business. Um, so that is available at ashleysang.com slash alt. And I'm always available for any questions. Thank you so much for listening. Head to oldmarketingschool.com to find out more about the topics that we covered in this week's class. If you want to make your teachers happy, then hop onto iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Oh, and don't forget to spread the love on Instagram at Old Marketing School. Until next time.